Hi, you're listening to my mom, Kat Lee, on the Inspired to Action podcast. Hey, can I listen to it? Hey, my name is Kat Lee, and I want to welcome you to the Inspired to Action podcast. I hope this show is the pep talk that you need as a mom, a reminder that what you do every day is life-changing, and it matters more deeply than you could ever imagine. Out of all the women in the world, God chose you to be the mother of your children because you are special and amazing and he has called you and he will equip you. So thank you for serving your family, for loving your children fearlessly and for fighting to be a great mom. This episode is for you. Let's jump right in. Hey friends, this is Kat Lee, and today we're chatting with Annie Downs about how we can fight the thorns of insecurity. Now, I don't know about you, but insecurity struck in a huge way when I became a mom. There were all the things that I wasn't doing, and then there were all the things that I was doing, and it always seemed like someone somewhere disagreed with whatever it is that I was doing, whether I was doing it or not doing it. Something I was doing was wrong, or at least it felt that way to me. So today, Annie and I are going to talk about how we can look for the lovely in ourselves and in our specific seasons. And Annie's going to share a few specific steps that we can take to fight insecurity whenever it tries to rear its ugly head. Y'all, this is going to be good, good stuff. But I first want to say a huge thank you to our show sponsor, Plan to Eat. Plan to Eat is an online menu planning site, and it makes recipe management and menu planning and shopping list making and all that terrible stuff a breeze. I've been using them for years, and I love, love, love their site. I can make a menu plan for the week in just a few minutes, and then it automatically creates and organizes my shopping list. I love that. It's a beautiful thing. So Plan to Eat is offering a free 30-day trial. So just go to plantoeat.com forward slash inspired to action and give them a try. Now let's jump into our show today with Annie Downs. Hey, Annie, how are you doing today? I am good. How are you, Kat? I am doing really well. I love interviewing friends. It just makes it so much more fun. Oh, I think so too. I love getting to talk to you. It's great. Well, I am thrilled that you're getting to be on the podcast today. I am sure most of my listeners are familiar with you because they've heard you before on the podcast. But for anyone who doesn't know you, can you just give us a little introduction to who you are? Yeah, sure. My name is Annie F. Downs. I am an author, a speaker, blogger-ish, Instagrammer probably is the truer statement. And I live in Nashville, Tennessee. I've been writing full-time for my job for four years, but I've been trying to be an author for about a decade. So I spent six years trying and four years, maybe almost succeeding, (laughs) at least paying the bills. Um, And I had a new book come out called Looking for Lovely. And I I mean, this is, and this is my fifth book. So my fifth book with my name on it, I have two that I've ghostwritten. So my seventh book altogether, which is kind of extra sweet a little bit with this book to be like, this is the one, this is the seventh. I'm not finished, but it's special to me that it's the seventh one. Well, and I have to say, I mean, For those of you listening, if you ever meet Annie, you just feel like you're going to be her best friend anyway. So I'm sure a lot of people feel like this, but I feel a little bit like the proud big sister because we've known each other online since you were, I think you were still teaching at the time. Yes. Yes. So, so literally since 2000 and 
six. So 10 years. Oh, wow. We've known each other for 10 years. That's awesome. That's rare in the internet life. That is very, very rare. And and we also had a uh, failed blogging attempt for a blog called, oh, what was it called? The Bloggable Music Network. Yes. yes. I'm not, not sure failed, it was quit. Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah, actually kind of successful. Failed. We tried and it was fun. Yeah. yeah. I feel like we discovered this. Well, we didn't discover the Civil Wars. We discovered Joy. What was her name? Joy Williams. Williams. We yes. loved. Yes. I yes. totally agree with that. Um, anyway, so thank you everyone for joining Annie and I as we travel down memory lane. Um, but today Sorry. we were talking about um, how we can fight against the thorns of insecurity because y'all, motherhood is just a kind of a, a fount of insecurity. You know, suddenly after you know, after I had kids, suddenly, you know, everything worked differently. If I tried to go for a run, things moved that didn't always move before. And suddenly I wasn't working before I had kids. I had this really cool job at a radio station and I'd say what I did and people were like, wow, tell me about that. And then after I had kids, they'd say, what do you do? And I'd say, I'm a stay at home mom. And nobody had questions. (laughs) Nobody wanted to know more about it. And so I know those of you listening, a lot of you feel the same way. A lot of the things that we had placed our security in, are no longer a part of our lives and things just look different and insecurity can eat away at us. It can impact us. It can impact our motherhood. It can impact our marriage. It can impact our friendships and it can impact our relationship with the Lord. And so I thought this was a great topic for us to just dive into today. And, um, and I know you have, you know, a journey just like everybody does of insecurity and you've learned some really great things along the way. So I'd love for you just to take us a little bit into um, a journey that you've had dealing with insecurity. Yeah, it's kind of been, you know, what's great is that I don't have to be a mom to understand those feelings and women don't have to be single to understand my feelings, right? right? It's just very universal. It's a universal thing of like, whatever life you have, the enemy would love to convince you it's not good enough or you're not good enough, Mm -hmm. you know? And, and, and that's just wrong and terrible. It makes me crazy. And, and so I just, so for me, my insecurities started when I was really young. I have a really clear memory that I wrote about in looking for lovely of the summer between fourth and fifth grade, having someone talk to me about my body. And I never realized anything was wrong with my body. I didn't know there was a wrong, you know, like I remember thinking, wait, I didn't know that we weren't supposed to I didn't know we needed to feel anything, you know, like I didn't know that there was a thing. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, and that kind of changed a lot for me, as you can imagine that, that insecurity being birthed at such a young age really changed a lot for me. And so then I spent the next, you know, few decades, um, trying to recover from some of those things and, and what came along with that. And for me, insecurity still exists. And I feel like one of the reasons that I love calling them thorns is thorns when you get a when you get a splinter i grew up on a lake and when we would run out on the dock to go fishing or to go swimming and get a splinter in our feet i mean you can't move and not feel it mm-hmm. there's no time it stops being painful you can adjust how you walk but it never leaves until you take it out and that's how i feel about insecurities that when i have an insecurity in my soul there's no amount of moving i can do or shaking I can do or readjusting I can do that makes it go away or makes the pain stop and until we take it out. And so that's, that's kind of what I'm learning though, as I'm growing into more adulthood, right? Like as we continue to grow and mature as women, 
is like, okay, how do I pull these thorns out? And how do I, how do I not let insecurity be a determining factor in decisions I'm making? Mm-hmm. Did that answer your question? Yeah, absolutely. And I love how you describe a thorn there because a couple summers ago, my, we, our family went on um, a trip and I think we were in San Francisco and we walked on some pier somewhere and my daughter was barefoot and she got a thorn yeah. and not, or a splinter, I guess. And it stopped our entire vacation. It, it, it like halted because we were in San Francisco. <laughs> we yeah. couldn't just hop in the car and go somewhere and park. It was a lot more complicated than that. So the plan had been to walk everywhere, but we couldn't walk and we couldn't carry a nine-year-old up and down the hills of San Francisco. And so we actually ended up having to, it was actually kind of cool because we had to call a doctor that came to us and he had a real old fashioned leather doctor bag. So oh, wow. we thought that was kind of neat, but I know, would love that. It was very San Francisco too. It, it feels- was in the hotel actually we were staying in was an old renovated apartment building. So we oh, had like a sure. Murphy bed and it was probably like a, you know, 80-year-old apartment. It was cool. Yeah. Oh, I love um, it. But the idea that this one tiny, seemingly insignificant thing yeah. Halted not just her vacation, but it halted five everybody's. people. Yeah, everybody's yeah, yeah. vacation. And so that's so indicative of how our insecurities don't just impact us, but they impact everyone around us and how we relate to them. Mm-hmm. And I love yeah, it. Yeah, and that's true. We, I mean, I feel that with my insecurities, don't you? I mm-hmm. mean, I just feel like that's really true with what I experience because mm-hmm. we pull away from people and we pull away from relationships when we're feeling insecure in your book. There was a line, if you don't mind me sharing it, that I just loved. Um, when you're telling that story, you, you, you said you felt like there was this imaginary blanket of shame. Yeah. And I was, that is just such an exact picture mm-hmm. of what it feels like, especially when it's something where in that moment you feel that thrust on you. You yeah. feel that blanket put over you because the moment before you were fine. And, and um, you know, like you said, you said um, how you didn't know there was wrong. And then yeah. suddenly somebody put that blanket of shame on you. And, you know, whatever season of life we're in, we've all felt that. And, and I think those moms listening have probably felt that when they've said that they do something. And then some other mom said, oh, you should never do it like that. And yeah, they feel exactly. that blanket of shame on them. That's just, right. And it, and you feel it. Yes. Um, it, you, I mean, you can seriously see it, feel it almost sit on you and you go like, everyone else can see this. Everyone else knows, you know. Mm-hmm. So at some point you had to recognize that that, if I can just continue with the metaphor, that that blanket yeah, yeah, yeah. was on you. Yeah. And you had to make the conscious decision to keep pulling it off. What did that point or that journey look like for you? Yeah. I mean, I think it's constant, right? It's almost like you, you initially have a big experience and then you have to keep, keep reminding yourself you're free. Mm -hmm. Right. So, so for me about three years ago, I wrote a book called let's all be brave. And when I turned in, let's all be brave. I kind of had a meltdown and, and I, Kat, I will tell you, if you would have told me three years ago that this would be something I would talk about, I would have laughed at you because it was the craziest, most painful experience I knew. I, I literally bought a flight and flew away from Nashville and didn't tell anybody. And I just needed to get away. And it just, I, w- I, f- I was feeling shame about a lot of things. I was worried about a lot of things and I just needed to get away. And, and it, through that process, it, I wrote about it a little bit in looking for lovely as well. But, you know, so what ended up happening is that 
friends got on the same airplane I was on and we didn't realize we were all going the same place. And so then I didn't exactly get to hide. Right. It was just, <laughs> which is totally how God works. Right. This idea of like, you think you're just going to let yourself drown in shame. And I'm here to tell you that I don't let that happen. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, um, which is just so loving and so kind. So that's what happened. And when the friends got on the plane, we kind of talked about some stuff. I got to Florida, talked to, called some friends and, and what ended up happening is I started seeing a counselor, which has just been the greatest gift for me emotionally, really. I mean, she has been such a gift to help me heal. And the thing is that it, it took telling her and telling my friends and having this moment of like, can everyone see that I'm smothered? Like, I think everyone knows that I'm smothered in shame except me. Hmm. And this has got to change. I, and, and really, my counselor walked me through that. So that's really my initial freedom came by having someone in, inviting someone into that and saying like, Hey, this is maybe bad. So could we talk about that for a minute? Because there's sort of a, I mean, probably to a lesser degree, but even internally with people, there's a stigma about making the decision to go see a counselor. Right. And Isn't I, that interesting. Mm-hmm. And, it, but I know how, you know, that can be life transforming and so I mean, powerful yeah. and especially um you know i think a lot of women especially in our kind of day and age while we're connected with people we really are actually also very isolated from depth and true accountability and really sharing our hearts yeah. with other people and that's something you know obviously that uh, counseling can can really provide so you know you had a breaking point where you decided to to take that step and to go to counseling. Um, What would you say to the mom who was like, oh, that sounds kind of good, but I don't, I'm not necessarily at the breaking point. So maybe, you know, should I do that? What, you know, what would you you say to them? What's great about counseling is that bringing, bringing a professional into your story that is cheering for nobody but you and doesn't know anybody but you gives you a really new, unique perspective on your own life. Right. Because my counsel will even go like, well, I don't care how your family member feels or I don't care how your friends feel. What's healthy for you? And Mm -hmm. I had never thought like that. I kind of thought more like, how do I make sure, how do I juggle all the balls to make sure everyone's happy? Now, I'm not talking about you quit feeding people because it doesn't make you happy to feed your children. But I mean, like, I, I think there's something really unique about having a a neutral person who's only cheering for your mental, spiritual, and physical health, mm-hmm. helping you navigate the path you're walking on. So I don't think you need to be at a breaking point to seek that kind of counsel, whether it's a mentor or a professional counselor. I just love that my counselor, while she actually sees a bunch of my friends, I, I didn't know that when we started. <laughs> like she's kind of like almost every time, Kat, when I walk out, whoever's walking in, we're like, oh my God. <laughs> You see her too? That is so funny. I mean, it's really guys and girls and couples. And I mean, it's really funny. But I I, I love that she kind of goes, okay, well, I'm about Annie's mental health. I'm not about people pleasing. Mm-hmm. Or I'm about Annie's health. I'm not about making sure that everyone is not mad at you mm-hmm. for can- canceling. And, and so I don't think you need to be at a breaking point. I think you need to be at a point where you go like, I wish someone could help me think this through that didn't have a dog in the fight because everybody else has a dog in the fight mm-hmm. and, and, a, and a neutral. Now, and for married people, I still think 
having a counselor for yourself and so, but someone who's on your husband's team too is important, right? Like I don't want a counselor who goes like, yeah, he's a jerk. Hang it up. You know, like that's not what you're looking for. You're not looking for a person who who doesn't agree, who doesn't think you should fight for your marriage or whatever uh, to some degree. Right. But so that's not what I'm saying, but I am saying that it's someone that goes like, yeah, I'm for you. This is, this is good. And this is what I want. And 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 how do we help you get there? Mm-hmm. So that's what I would say to a mom. And it's a good hour, right? It's one hour out of your week where you go and you are paying someone to listen to you, <laughs> right? They don't get to doze off. They don't get to check their phone. They don't get to move on to say, and if she does check her phone, find a new counselor. Right, right. Like that, that's not what they get to do. They are there to listen to you and to really hear what's going on in your heart and help you. And that's worth an hour of money to me. And, you know, I wonder almost if it's really just looking at it from a different name that could spur so many women on to go to counseling, because it's really kind of like coaching. It's you just like, you know, in in sports. Here I go with sports analogy. Oh, I love sports. Um, you know, so you need a coach. Even, you know, sometimes you have a coach and maybe they're like 60 years old and haven't played the sport in forever. But that's not the deal. Yeah. The deal is that they can see what you can't see. They see you from the outside. They see, you know, the, the little tweaks and the little things that need to be changed and adjusted and that can make all the difference. And so for some of some moms listening, maybe they need counseling. And then for other moms, maybe they need a coach because there are people who are life coaches yep. as well. And, yep. and And the whole point of either of those is that you know, pursuing a better version of yourself, pursuing growth, pursuing restoration and healing and change and being everything that God made you to be. And that is never something to be afraid of or to that's shy right, away from. Because that's what you're modeling for your children. And for, for me, it's what I'm modeling for the people I mentor. I'm modeling for them, hey, my own mental health is really important to me. And my fit, I mean, that's why we exercise. That's what's interesting to me, Kat, is people will exercise and eat right. People will read books to be smarter, but then people are embarrassed when they care for their mental health. Hmm. And you're like, wait, that's, this is, we are body, mind, and soul. All three areas deserve attention. If I will pay for a trainer because I want to still be jogging in 30 years, I should pay for a counselor because I want my mental health to matter too. Mm-hmm. And we go to church, like we go to church and we read the Bible because we want to be spiritually healthy, right? Like, but for some reason, mental health is embarrassing and it it is saved my life. Mm-hmm. And, and, and really fundamentally, if that mental health piece isn't in place, uh-huh. then the fitness piece isn't going to matter quite as much because we uh-huh. still feel a certain way about ourselves. That's right. And for me, that really, once they, they honestly, this is so fascinating to have, like, if I was an Annie who got to stand beside Annie this whole time, <laughs> I've been like, that is, there are multiple times I've gone, that is really interesting because for the first time in my life, in this process of dealing with these insecurities and healing and, and persevering to the other side of pain, my body, my mind, my spirit are all on the same team. Mm-hmm. And that's never been the case. When I so used to be, especially when it came to eating and food, if I made my body happy, my mind punished me. Mm, right. Or yeah. if I, but if I, de- if I denied my body and, and was, did what my mind wanted me to do or whatever, then my body was angry. Right. And, and now, and so I would never finish a workout routine because my mind wasn't strong enough to finish. Right. My physical muscles weren't strong enough, but neither were my mental 
perseverance muscles. Mm -hmm. I would always give up because I was doing what my body wanted, but my mind wasn't strong enough. And, and once you put everybody on the same team and everyone wants to be each other's friend, it change, it just changes everything. Then you go like, well, yeah, I'm going to eat salad because my brain loves salad. You just cannot imagine what a better day I have when, when I've eaten salad because my brain is so much clearer. Mm-hmm. And that's the truth. I mean, that's the truth of vegetables, which is ridiculous. But right. true. It's the truth of vegetables. They make your brain work better. I'm not trying to wear a bikini. I'm trying to make sure my brain works right every day. Mm-hmm. And once everybody got on the same team, my mental health, my physical health, my spiritual health, everything accelerated. So was it the process of counseling that did that? Or was there some special realization that you had? What what helped get everybody on the same team? If we can talk about our yeah, versions sure. of ourselves in third person. Yeah, is that weird? I do that a lot. Um, uh, what got them all on the same team? I think, yeah, it was... It was count. It was what we talked about in counseling. It wasn't the writing the writing that check every couple of weeks. It was what we talked about in counseling. It was her going like pulling out patterns in my history and kind of going like, "Look, every time it gets hard, you quit. What what if you didn't quit this? What if you didn't walk away from this journey? Because I remember when I was twenty at University of Georgia. I was seeing a counselor then as well. And I'm like, apparently a person who loves some professional assistance, right? But I was seeing a counselor and and at one appointment, we dug into some really hard stuff and I never went back. I never went back to another appointment. And I literally think that that is some of the same things that that I had to dig into these last three years that I just wasn't willing to last time. So that's, that's what helps starting getting me on the same team. I also, this is really bizarre, but I started walking. We have a lake here, um, just out like three miles from my house, right almost in downtown Nashville called Radnor Lake. And, and I just went walking there one time when my family was in town. And later that week, I thought, I think I want to go walk there again. And so I did, and I would listen to podcasts and all of a sudden I was exercising and I wasn't meaning to exercise and I didn't love exercise. And my mind always told me that I hated exercise. If I wasn't playing soccer, I wasn't having fun in exercise. And, and I really loved Radner. And, and so when my body started being stronger because I was choosing to do that, my mind started being stronger because we were digging into old patterns and breaking them up and making new patterns. Everybody just sort of got on the same team. I know that's a crazy way to phrase it, but that's how it felt. No, I think that's brilliant. I actually read that phrase in your book. I don't th- know if you'd gotten to the the three-part version of yourself yet. You just said your mind and body finally got on the same team and being a sport person. I was like, oh, I love that phrase. I actually was taking notes while I was reading your book because I just love the different words that you use. Thank you. Um, so yeah, I just but, have to do what makes sense to me. I'm not very smart, Kat. So <laughs> I just, everything has to tie to something on the planet that makes sense. That's why I, I think you, I think you've gotten to the part where I talk about watermelon seeds. You know, I haven't, I'm about to though. Oh, good. Well, I'm going to ruin it for you anyway. Okay. That's so, great. You, I think it's okay when, when the author is actually telling you the story. Yeah, sure. Sure, sure, sure. That's right. Cause I went to the farmer's market with a friend and her kids. We have a big farmer's market here in town and we went to the farmer's market And we were eating watermelons and I was picking the black slimy seeds out and throwing them on the ground. And my brain just like, it's like this, that Bible verse just came back to my mind that what we sow in tears, we reap in joy. Hmm. And I thought, wait a minute, how, 
how can a black, tiny watermelon seed become this massive, beautiful, juicy, multicolored watermelon? That is a miracle. And that is so beyond. If you looked at a watermelon seed and said, what is this going to become? You would never picture a watermelon. And then it was like the Lord went like, that's what I do with your tears. I plant your tears and you reap what you reap not only is far more beautiful and far more colorful than you would have ever dreamed, but it is for the good of others, just like a watermelon. And it, it changed my life, but, but God knows I need simple things like a watermelon. <laughs> I, like He knows that I need to see Him in the world we already live in. And so when I look at a watermelon now, I cannot look at a watermelon and not go, God's going to do stuff with my tears. Every tear I've cried, God's going to do something with it, and it's going to be a watermelon. And that blows my mind. I love that. Are you familiar with Crystal Wells? Have you ever heard of her? (gasps) I love her. Okay, so her song, A Thousand Things. Everybody listening, go buy it on iTunes. A Thousand Things. I love that. Love that song, and it, it's that whole idea of you know the tear. She shares a story, and or actually a couple stories, and and the tears that are cried. You know, water a thousand fields, um, and I love that idea of what God can do with the you know the pain. And and you know, as you're sharing a lot of the stories, you know, that I've read in the book or that you've been sharing in our chat right now, I'm just realizing that so often we run from the pain and run from the insecurity, but sometimes when we let ourselves feel it, that's when the turning point happens. Yeah, that's when that's the exactly change right. starts. That's exactly right. So you either, it, it, so so we all come to that point, right? We all come to the point where there is pain in our face or where there's a challenge in our face. And so it's either something you've invited in, like changing your lifestyle, moving to a new city, pursuing a dream, going after a goal, or it's pain that was given to you, right? As a gift, quote, quote, <laughs> um, a tragedy or sickness or just struggle, insecurities. And we come to that place where we either get to go, okay, I'm, I'm going to walk right toward this pain and believe that it is something I can pass through and end up on the other side, or I'm going to stop here and turn another direction and ignore it. And my whole life, I, I tried to go every other direction from the pain. And man, there's just something true about Romans 5 that says, we rejoice in our sufferings because they produce perseverance in us. Mm-hmm. And that perseverance grows our character and character gives us hope. And so we have to walk through. I mean, I'm sure that's how moms feel if you have like three tinies. My best friend Haley has four kids. The oldest is nine. The youngest is like four months. Those are some, right. those that are is, some tough seasons. It is. And that is a lot of work for her. And and she And she either has the choice to like, put her head down and push through and not feel any of it, which is an option some days, right? I mean, that's what we do. So we have to survive. But the other side is like, or we go like, man, this is hard and this is sad. And what can I do? And what does hope look like on the other side of this? Because hope is worth fighting for. And so what do I, how do I hope and how do I get through this? And what's the beautiful in what I'm experiencing right now that is unique to this season? Because those are like the knots on the rope that help you climb all the way to the top is finding those beautiful things in the seasons. Mm-hmm. Because when we're going through the journey, we're going to feel that insecurity. But we can't just always dive into insecurity. There are That's right. reasons underneath it. And so we have to kind of dual fight the process of, you know, feeling whatever pain is causing the insecurity, dealing with those issues, but then dealing with the insecurity of the moment and, and trying to walk out of that 
while dealing with deeper issues that are going to take longer periods of time. And so you shared, you know, one way we can do that to find the beautiful in the everyday moments. And I think that shifts our perspective and that shifts our thinking and helps us to think a little bit less about ourselves and a little bit more about others, which is just automatically going to, you know, kind of kill that insecurity, at least at some level, because insecurity is fundamentally just us thinking about ourselves. Yeah, right. It's us listening to the whispers that say you aren't who you actually think you are. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I think what God and what you and I get to do for our jobs and what I think God wants us to do as women is go like, actually you're every bit as amazing as you think you are. And what can we do to stand with you in that and to help you go even farther? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm totally going to not quote it properly. And I don't even remember who said <laughs> it, but maybe I'll include it in the show notes, but there is some quote by some person that's eluding me at the moment where she okay. basically says, you know, our greatest fear or our greatest thing isn't that we were not enough, but that we're too much that, you know, that God put, created us in his image and it does the world no good for us to live small. Yeah. And you know, Stacy Eldridge says something similar to that in, in Captivating, her book Captivating, which I love. And she says, and the lie that the enemy loves to feed women is you are always too much and not enough. Mm. And he just, and that's, a, for some reason, that is a unique to woman lie that he goes like, hey, in these areas, you're too much. And over here, you're not enough. So you're never going to be who you want to be. And, and I don't think that's what the Bible says. I don't think that's what God, I mean, we're, we clearly, I need a professional help. We aren't all perfect. We aren't in, you know, we aren't all finished, but we are good at who, you know, we're good at being humans and we can get through more than we think we can get through. Mm-hmm. And God made us the way that we are for very specific and special reasons. And as long as we're keeping our eyes on him and walking towards him, we're walking more into who he made us to be and that who he made us to be is exactly what he wants us to be. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, that's right. So finding the beautiful, uh, what does that look like for you? Yeah. So for me, it's been really fun. Cause when you say to yourself today, I'm going to look for lovely today, I'm going to find something. It just pops up everywhere, right? It pops up all the time for me. One of the things, and this is what we're doing for dinner tonight is having sushi. And I'm not like a brave sushi eater. I'm not like, give me raw stacked on raw, like raw ocean animal does nothing for me, <laughs> but I will take a fried shrimp all day long. And so, um, and so, but the thing about sushi is that it is so symmetrical and beautiful and colorful that, that if, when I look at sushi, I have this reminder of like, oh yeah, God's a God of order. You know, like I see order here and, 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 and so that sticks out to me. So that's, that probably comes to mind because that's something lovely in my day today. Um, I think it is literally just looking at your life and going like, what do I love? What do I think is beautiful? So for me, you know this about me, Kat, because it's silly, but I love sparkly things. I love glitter. I love sequins. And so pretty much all the time, my nails are painted with some sort of sparkle nail polish. Last weekend, I went to get them painted. I had a gift card and I went and got them painted and I picked like a copper bronzy kind of sparkle. And the guy said, what's the occasion? And I was like, it's Thursday, (laughs) right? Like (laughs) I have no occasion for sparkle. It just is. It just is my everyday. And, and so for me, that, that's something that's beautiful to me, taking that time, taking 45 minutes to get my nails painted and it being something, a really beautiful color that stands out to me. People stay are, are what I look for when I look for lovely. Like I just go like, man, the people in my life, what a gift. And, 
And today, and not every day is really fun. You and I know this, like everyone knows this. There are days that I have to wake up really early to fly on an airplane to a place I don't particularly want to go because I'm missing a wedding of a friend at home or, you know, I mean, life can be really unenjoyable. So, but when I get, when I get on an airplane, no matter what, I have a window seat because I love watching what happens outside the window. And so, and that's beautiful to me, even if I'm going somewhere I'm not thrilled about, or if I'm getting up way too early, I go, okay, well, at least I'll see the sunrise, you know? But it's not Pollyanna. I don't want you to feel like, or your people to, your lovely listeners to feel like, oh yeah, okay, so Annie just like Pollyanna's everything. Because the truth is, while I was writing this book, a friend of mine uh, and her husband got in a car wreck and she was killed, a mom of three. Hmm. Killed in a car wreck. Just freakest of stories in the world. A tractor trailer thing. It, it was such a freak accident. And, and I was supposed to sit down and write that day and I thought, what is beautiful about this? Like, tell me, I, I literally said to the Lord, I was like, you understand I can't find beauty in any of this. There's nothing beautiful. And it was just like, but Jesus is still Jesus. Mm-hmm. Okay. If that is literally all I have, and that is all I had that day, nothing in my planet made any sense. Three little girls without a mom, my buddy without his wife. I mean, none of it made sense except Jesus is still Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so that that sometimes is the only knot on the rope I have. And that's, I mean, that's what we all have. And I, you know, there are moms listening right now who's, you know, maybe they're going through a really hard season in their marriage, or maybe their marriage just ended. Maybe, you know, they're dealing with an illness with one of their kids, or just going through really hard things at home financially or whatever. Mm-hmm. And sparkly doesn't feel beautiful to them. Yeah, it feels, that's it right. feels extraneous. Yeah. Um, but we all have Jesus at the center of it all. And yeah, that's it. That's what, we, you know, every single person listening can cling to, you know, fundamentally, regardless of where your life is and what it feels like right now. And and really getting to that point where that's the most meaningful thing, that's the most powerful thing, that's what's going to really annihilate <laughs> the, the insecurity mm-hmm. that we feel. Um, yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And so that's why it's so important to me that no one feels like looking for lovely is this call to pretend like nothing's wrong, mm-hmm. right? Because that's not it. Or the call to pretend like life isn't hard. In fact, if anything, this season of my life has totally jacked with my theology. Because I thought if we did the right things and worked hard enough, that God would protect me from bad things and from hard days. And I've just never seen, and there are a lot of authors who make a lot of money on writing books that say you can have everything you want. Mm-hmm. And that just hasn't been my story, you know? And I don't know a lot of people who've gotten everything they want. And so, and so instead, what does it look like to live a life that, that you genuinely believe that what you have is exactly what God has for you and, and wrestle through that? And I think that comes to another point that we talked about um, earlier, just that another way to fight insecurity is to choose truth. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, which is not uh, not always easy, right? But right. but that's why we have to invite people in because sometimes I need other people to look at my story and go, "Hey, you're believing a lie about this." You know, like you don't. That's actually not the truth. Here's what's true, and so you have to choose that. Whether so for me in my bathroom on my bathroom mirror is a beautiful designed 
by Eliza Lotta. And it says, um, all together beautiful you are, my darling, there is no flaw in you from Song of Solomon. And that hangs on my bathroom mirror. So every morning when I look in the mirror and try to figure out all the things that are wrong, that verse reminds me that God doesn't see any of that, right? So if it, sometimes it takes that, for me, sometimes it takes that blatant of truth for me to believe it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's me just going, man, how come everything I'm thinking today is about how terrible my life is? Gosh, I need to straighten up my mind. What is going on? Why am I be- why am I being fed all this right now? And why am I believing it? And what's actually true about my life? Mm-hmm. You know, I-, I think you know Logan Wolfram, yes, as well, and she talks about praying the opposite. Yes, and I think that is something so true. You know, in the past, I have well, actually when I was reading her book, I got a piece of paper, and on one side, I kind of wrote down some insecurities that were pulling me away from God and others. And then on the other side, I just wrote down scriptures that were the opposite of those yeah. that, that spoke the truth over it. And so for those of you listening, you know, if you want something super actionable to walk away um, from today, just get a piece of paper, fold it in half, write down the lies that you're believing on one half and write down the scriptures, just like Annie said, um, on, you know, on the other side of the piece of paper, like the verse there that she has on her mirror. And Remind yourself of those every morning. Take a look at that. When when you feel like those insecurities are flooding over you, you have that to look back to. You don't have to come up with it again in your brain. You've written it down. You've put it on paper. And, you know, whether you put that on your mirror or put it in your journal or put it in your Bible, it's something to look at over and over again and recognize, you know what? One side of this paper is a lie. The other side is the truth. What am I going to choose to believe today? Yeah. And read Logan's book. Because Logan Logan's teaches book, that right. so well in Curious Faith. Mm-hmm. I just totally, totally love it. So you also touched on one other point. You talked about inviting other people in. I know part of that, you know, is going to counseling or finding a coach or whatnot, but probably also relationally. And I would think that for the moms listening as well, we can sometimes isolate ourselves. So sometimes yeah. we need to reach out and invite other people into our lives and take the time to encourage them. So when you have felt insecure, what are some ways that you have invited other people in or taken the time to focus on them and to encourage them? Yeah, I think it is such a beautiful thing. I'll I'll tell you a great example of how I saw that. Even just yesterday when my book launched, there were three other authors that kept, that spent the whole day refreshing Amazon to see where the book went. Right. And it's my book. It's not their, (laughs) my book that they are going like, come on, Annie, you can do this, Annie. And you know what that said to me is that said to me, they are absolutely secure in who they are because they're cheering for me, Mm -hmm. right? They are taking, what they are saying is I know my lane so I can cheer for Annie and her lane, right? And so I think one of the ways we battle insecurities is we cheer for other people. I think if you can, if you can genuinely cheer for someone else, then that will show yourself that you love yourself. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm, Absolutely. So I think we, we really get, it's really a great opportunity to, to speak truth over yourself when you're cheering for other women. So when you walk to the swimming pool this summer and it's, you know, you and your kids and everybody else is in there and their kids, the first thing you do is don't go like, look at everyone, uh, look at all the other mom's swimsuits. I look better than her. I definitely don't look as good as her. Oh, I wish I looked like her. Instead you go like, can I help you carry your stuff after I get put my stuff down? Or I'm going to go get a drink from the snack bar. Do you want something? Or, oh my gosh, I saw that suit on Land's End and it is adorable and it even looks better on you than, I, than it looked in the on the magazine. You right? just went straight to the heart of probably motherhood insecurity, probably this the summertime swimming pool. So yeah, that is a great example. 
Oh my goodness. Yeah. Cause, cause what, it, how would the summer be different if everyone just cheered for each other right. at the swim pool? Right. Like, and helped each other. I mean, I know we help each other with our kids and all that stuff. Like I go to the swimming pool with my friends and help with their kids and some other little kid can't get out of the side and you push them out. I mean, I know how that works, but like, what if we genuinely in our hearts went like today at the pool, I'm going to be the mom that helps every other mom feel better. Mm-hmm. Right. And then it actually doesn't matter how you feel about yourself because you're, you're investing in you by investing in them. Mm-hmm. And it builds your own confidence. And it says to all the other moms like, oh, she's, she is confident enough to speak to me. Okay. Her insecurities aren't louder than truth. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think a lot of times those, the, the insecurities we have are because we're afraid people won't like us because of that thing. And so then if we're stepping out and, and encouraging other women and helping them that's going to draw us closer together as friends. And it it's sort of just a natural repellent to what insecurity typically does is pull us away from people because we're choosing right. to step beyond that gap. That's right. That's exactly it is, is you insecurities want to say to you, um, stay over here by yourself or you're going to feel shame. Mm-hmm. And confidence says like, there is no shame in community. Mm-hmm. So get over there and get in there and, care about other people and love other people well. And even if you don't feel it, even if you don't feel confident, fake it almost, right? Like that's what, I mean, that's what I have to do is walk into a room and go like, in a minute, I will feel good. Right now, I wish I was on my couch. (laughs) So I need to just do the right motions until my mind catches up with what my body is doing. Mm -hmm. And and really, ultimately, you're doing that other step you talked about. You're choosing the truth because the truth is, if I step beyond my own insecurities and how I feel right now and choose to encourage and engage with other people, that's going to make me feel better. It's going to make them feel better, and it's going to be a blessing, and I'm going to be the hands and feet of Jesus to somebody. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And we just have no idea, right? You just have no idea how one thing you could say could really, really change someone's day. You just never know. Mm-hmm. We think we know. We think we know what people are walking through. And Joy Williams says something like that, right? She says something with like, I can't remember it, but she but she has put that quote somewhere one time of like, you just don't have any idea what other people are walking through. Mm-hmm. We're two for two on quotes. We? Yeah, we're great. We're, we're awesome. <laughs> we are killing it. Annie, I have loved, loved chatting with you today. Will you tell everybody where they can get a copy of your book? Sure. The best thing is you can go anywhere, which is awesome. So (laughs) go to your local bookstore, which I'm a big fan of local bookstores. And if they don't have it on the shelf, just get them to order one for you and go ahead and get them to order five because that'll save your neighbors the time. (laughs) And, or you can get it online or at any of your big bookstores. You can really get it anywhere. It's an ebook and it's a uh, paperback. And on lookingforlovelybook.com, we kind of have a link to all the easiest places to get it. So that is where it is. And it is the, it's the book that's navy blue with fireworks on the front. Awesome. Awesome. It's like the next level of sparkles. Uh, really? Everyone's like, your cover looks like glitter. I was like, I know. Do you know what it is? You'll have to look at it again, though, because the designer is a guy named Matt Lehman, who is just incredibly talented. And he, I said to him, Matt, I love the cover because he gives you a couple options. And I said, oh my gosh, I just love the one where you did the fireworks. And he said, do you mean the one where I draw the emotions? I was like, oh my gosh, you are better than I even... So that's what all of them are on the cover. It's all emotions. Oh, I'll have to... I didn't know... I always don't notice something on some book cover. 
there's always so many layers that I don't even I know I know that's brilliant um well so for everybody listening I just want to give this quick plug for Annie's brilliance at writing the first one being um, I was reading her book and uh, the paper copy hadn't come yet so I was reading a pdf on my little phone screen enlarging it as I scroll to each page and I could not stop and so her writing is just you know I even remember the very first blog post that I read that she ever wrote it was about going to a cooking school or a cooking class or something yeah and I just remember reading it and just being like oh my goodness she is such a brilliant writer so if you're on the fence about getting her book just get off the fence because it is just an easy read but at the same like easy to read because you feel like you're chatting with a friend but at the same time like I said I wrote down so many notes and so many truths that I'm excited to kind of marinate in because the way she uses words is just profound and I also want to throw in the fact that I picked my 11-year-old daughter up from school yesterday, and um, there's a 40-book challenge happening at school where they're supposed to read 40 books for the entire school year. Well, she's on book like 280-something, so she loves <laughs> to read, and she gets in the car yesterday, and she says, Mom, I just I don't like reading anymore. <laughs> my son and I were, were look at her, and we're like, are, are you sick? What's wrong? What's wrong with you? Right. And for some reason, all afternoon, she was just saying she didn't want to read. Reading was boring. And then very randomly, had not told her that I was chatting with Annie today. She comes out of her room with, um, Annie's written another book called Speak Love, and then there was a journal that came with it. And she comes out of her room with the journal. And she was like, Mom, do you have any more, does does Miss Annie have any more books like this? Because I want to read more books like this. And if you've ever been to our house or seen our house on Instagram, we have books everywhere. There are classic books. There are super popular books, you know, that kids read, like children's books and all that sort of stuff. And out of all the books in our house, with no knowledge that I was going to speak to Annie anytime soon, she comes out with Annie's book saying that she wanted to read that. So for a 40-year-old mom to be completely engrossed in Annie's words, and then for her 11-year-old daughter to choose that out of all the books in the house, that is some good writing. And I highly encourage you to get a copy of Annie's book. Thank you, friend. I appreciate that. That's really kind. Well, um, thank you so much for joining us today, Annie, and uh, we will chat with you again soon. Yay, thanks. All right, bye. Well, that's all that we have for today's episode of the Inspired to Action podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to listen. I know that there are a million things that you could be doing right now, and I hope that this episode has encouraged you. You know, if you have any questions or suggestions for me, just head over to inspiredtoaction.com and click the contact button to send me an email. I would love to hear from you, and I would love to do whatever I can to get the resources that you need to keep growing as a mom. And if you enjoyed this podcast, it would be awesome if you take a minute to rate it on iTunes. That's going to help more moms to find it and get the encouragement that they need. And as always, you can check out all the show notes for this session at inspiredtoaction.com. And you can also download any of our free ebooks or our free prayer calendars for moms at the blog. Just go to inspiredtoaction.com and click on the resources link. And my name is Kat Lee, and I wish you an incredible day with your family. And remember, you're a mom. You're kind of a big deal. Now go be awesome. It's early in the morning, the house is quiet. But I've set aside this time for you. I bow before the throne of a noble king. And in this place, my heart begins to sing. It's gonna be a good day, a good
Walk in.